0: yo 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 what's good everybody welcome back welcome back welcome back welcome back so after one week of nfl football people are going crazy people you know it's a frenzy out here in the sports world but um let's get into it let's get into it great weekend great weekend of football college football there was some there was some pretty good college football games on uh if you're a usc fan stick in there hold on um if you're a Florida State fan, mm. hold on. <laughs> but then the NFL on Sunday, we had NFL Sunday football, um, week one, week one on this this past Sunday. We had a great Monday night game as well. So you guys already know. We you guys already know what we have in store. I am obviously I'm gonna talk about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Why did they come out so sluggish? Why did they look so unprepared? I'm gonna give you guys that. Uh, obviously, I'm talking about the Rams and you know Matthew Stafford and the difference that I'm, I'm already seeing with the Rams and so forth. Um, so, guys, we got, so we got a, we, Browns. Obviously, Browns and Chiefs and <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Oh, you got, you got, you guys already know how I'm coming. You guys already know how I'm coming as far as uh, you, you know my approach and what we we'll what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so, it, it's quite obvious. It's quite obvious. Week one NFL season September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels good. It feels good it feels really good to be in this in, in this position. Um, but let's get into it. Uh let's not let's get into it. As, you know, I greatly appreciate you guys tuning in, listening. Uh obviously I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kidd of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. So you know, shouts out to all the regular listeners Shouts out to all the first time listeners Shouts out to all the people that's been spreading this podcast Helping me grow it uh, Shout out to you if you're an avid listener Shout out to you Shout out to you um, I hope all of you guys takes, picks went well I know a lot of, I know I know quite a few of my listeners They do, they depend on my, take, my, my, my takes And my picks that I give So hope that worked out well <laughs> For a lot of you guys, <laughs> I hope that worked out well for you, Lot for a lot of you guys. Um, let me I want to start with the Packers, because <clears throat> like I said, I got I got multi. I got a multitude of things that I want to get to. Obviously, I got to unveil my top 10 list as well. But let me get into. Let me get into the Packers. So the Packers had a disgusting uh, a humiliating 38 to three loss to the Saints. Now, first, I must admit, and this is this is the point that I've been making all offseason about Jameis Winston and Sean Payton. First, Sean Payton did a masterful job. Sean Payton and Dennis Allen, they did they did a great job of play calling. First, Dennis Allen did a great job with with uh with causing and you know causing a lot of confusion and pressure. Uh, I talked about it last week how Green Bay's offensive line. Green Bay's offensive line, it, it it's in it's kinda in shreds. It's kinda it's not it's not what it usually is. Green Bay usually has their offensive line solidified. That's not the case this year. Like I said, you're missing Davey Bakhtiari at the left tackle position. Uh Corey Lindsley, he left, and the right tackle, he left. So that's three spots um in 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 that offensive line uh that 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 just it's not the same. You're not getting the same caliber of play. Uh, so Dennis Allen did a really good job with scheming up and defending Green Bay uh, to hold them to three points. That that that's a great job. That that is that's 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 great execution on both sides as far as the player aspect and 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 you know actually execute the game plan. And then Dennis Allen coming up with the game plan and the play calling. And then Sean Payton on the other hand, Sean Payton did a great job with ball control offense running the ball, Um, you know, the Packers, that defense, the way how they gave up so many rushing yards. And last year, their rush defense wasn't that bad. But the year before last, you guys remember, Green Bay had a hard time stopping the run and being physical up front. That's what Sunday versus New Orleans remind me of. It reminded me of how the San Francisco 49ers two times just physically outmanned Green Bay. That's what New Orleans did on Sunday. And then Jameis Winston, he played a heck of a game. He played a heck of a game. He played a heck of a game. Granted, he only had fourteen completions, but he had five to five four to, five of those completions were touchdowns. Um, and, and, and and as I predicted, I thought Jameis Winston should have been the starter. Um, I thought he give he get he I thought he gave the Saints an element. Um, that they have been missing for a couple years, even with Drew Brees, and that was the element of being able to stretch the defense and throw the ball over top. Because you know, teams when as Breeze got older, teams caught on and said, "Why we all we gotta do is play two man deep. We don't gotta worry about Drew Brees beating us. All we gotta do we don't, we, we don't gotta be, we just gotta we just gotta play two man." So that's what they did. Um, and and with Jameis, he gives you that element of being able to stretch the defense um, and keeping the defense honest. And he played pretty well and no turnovers, <laughs> no turnovers. But let me get the, so I, I just thought I thought that out there, but let me go to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers because that's more of the thing, right? Um, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I, I I think this is, this is something, this is a, this is a, this is a collapse. This is a collapse on, on every level. Front office, coaching, players, it's no way to single, like when you get blown out by 35 points and the way how Green Bay got beat, there's no pointing the finger at one individual unit or one individual. No, no, no. This was a total collapse. But I think as far as from a player aspect and playing the game, it's hard not to look at Aaron Rodgers as the quote unquote leader of this football team and not say anything. And you guys know I like Aaron Rodgers, but it would be, it would behoove me if I just act like this didn't happen because it happened and it was bad. It was bad for Aaron Rodgers. And, it, it, you know, I often think, teams are i I often think or i have the notion that teams are who their best players are if your best player is a hard worker commitment like commitment level is high um you know i think your team embodies what you what your best player is i feel like most times most times and there are certain instances where that could probably be proven wrong. But I feel like most times your team is an embodiment of your best player. And obviously Aaron Rodgers is the best player and has been the face of the franchise oh, um, for the last, what, 15 years for the Packers? So last – yesterday – well, Sunday was just not good for Aaron Rodgers at all. He was He was bad. A lot of uncharacteristic throws. A lot of just uncharacteristic mistakes that you usually don't see. He just looked off, and he looked like a quarterback that didn't get much work in an off season. He looked like a quarterback, or 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 perhaps maybe Aaron Rodgers probably should have spent more time working with his team, getting better, and trying to get over the hump instead of trying to. Make power moves through the personnel, right? But and I and I and I get his stance. I get Aaron Rodgers' stance as to why he's frustrated with Green Bay. But you can't be frustrated and talk about your wants and needs as far as personnel, and then deliver a performance like that versus New Orleans, where I like I told you guys. I think New Orleans is going to be a pretty good football team. I think the NFC is just so deep. I I mean, maybe. I mean, if the door is opening, because I think the door is opening with some injuries. There was a lot of key injuries. But I told you guys, I thought New Orleans was a nine-win team and was not going to make the playoffs. So Green Bay, obviously, I had them making the playoffs. And for a team that's gone to back-to-back NFC championship games, you would think that they would be clicking week one and they would have this down, pack, and set and ready, and that just wasn't the case. And, and Aaron Rodgers was the head of that snake. Aaron Rodgers was the head of that snake. And that's why I said I can't, I can't overlook it. I can't just gloss over the fact that, that the, the, the Packers gave us, delivered a performance like that. That was a shit show. I can't I can't I can't do that. I can't just overlook it. I can't just overlook it. That was probably one of the worst games I ever seen Aaron Rodgers play. If I'm being honest, that was probably the one that was probably the worst game I ever seen from Aaron Rodgers. And it, that all, it just Matt LaFleur, I don't know. I don't I don't know what what game planning what the game planning was. Defensively, just they did they didn't look there. They didn't look there. I, I was watching their body language, I, you know, I, as New Orleans was marching down the field. Um, I think the score, their first touchdown uh, in the red zone, Green Bay defenders, they just look, uh, you know, they look like they, it was just a casual scrimmage. And and it's week one, and I don't want to overreact. And I'm not saying the Packers are not going to be good because I do think they'll bounce back. But they obviously, like I said, they obviously have weaknesses. Um. I don't think this year they're going to be a thirteen-win team. I, I don't think that's happening. I think ten and seven is more of the range as I predicted. Um, and I'm not sure if this team is going to win a Super Bowl because first there's too much drama. There's too much drama going on with it, within. I feel like I feel like there's a lot of drama and a lot of tension. No matter what they try to say in front of the cameras or in the press conferences and so forth, I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of in-house tension and drama. I, and I don't think you can win Super Bowls like that. I don't think that's the necessary. I don't think that's the res I, the, the the you know the the recipe, right? I don't think that's the recipe to win Super Bowls. But I also look at their weaknesses as for, or what they're lacking right now. And it's week like I said, it's week one. I won't overreact. But these are some of the same concerns that I had coming into the season, and a lot of that had to do with the offensive line. A lot of that had to do with the offensive line. A lot of that is the the mere fact that the Packers probably still haven't solved their second corner situation yeah Jair alexander is really good he's your quarterback one but then who's your who, who, who's your cornerback two we don't we so they still haven't fixed that problem which ultimately cost them a lot of points in the nfc championship game this past this past year so there's just so many questions to answer but then i look at a guy like russell wilson where russell wilson had similar had a similar off season to Aaron Rodgers where he he was very vocal about the personnel and how he thought it should be improved mainly the offensive line not so much anything else but he was mainly talking about the offensive line because he was talking about the hits that he take and the amount of sacks that he takes and some of it is on Russell Wilson but Seattle you know they upgraded the offensive line a little bit on the right side. They brought back they brought back Dwayne Brown. I don't know if that is satisfying to Russ, but I bet you he's all football now, and I bet you he's just worrying about how he can win as many ball games for the Seattle Seahawks and how they can get back to the Super Bowl. I bet you that's I bet you that's I bet you that's Russell Wilson's approach and mindset right now. I don't know if I can say the same about Aaron Rodgers. And Russ in Seattle were clicking, and they look really good versus a pretty good Indianapolis team. They look pretty good versus a. They look. The, the Seahawks look really good versus a team in Indianapolis that I really, really like. So that. Shows me where Aaron Rodgers' mind at I do think the Packers eventually will get it back together They should Their division doesn't look that stellar Which I expected So this is going to be another year Where the division is going to be somewhat of a cakewalk Um, But They got to get it together The Packers have to give it together And it has to start with Aaron Rodgers um, because I think you're often, you, you are what your best player is, I think. Often, more more times than not, I think you are what your best player is. And Aaron Rodgers did not show up last week. And the Packers didn't show up either. And, and you know, I get it. The travel and, you know, a Midwest team going into the humidity of, you know, of, of, of Jacksonville. It could probably be a little bit different, but. Still, thirty-eight to three—that's unacceptable. Week one—that's that's unacceptable. And I and I'm not trying to take anything away from New Orleans because, like I said, they they played brilliant, and it was a well, it was a it was a a great game plan. But that's unacceptable from from Green Bay. All right, so let's shift my let's shift our focus, my focus to uh, the Cleveland Browns. So the Kansas City Chiefs—it was a great game, which I expected, right? Kansas City Chiefs, they beat the Cleveland Browns. Um, and they kind of did it in Kansas City style, right? Like the Chiefs style. Like, you know, you guys remember the first Super Bowl run where they would fall behind early in games and then make these type of just just crazy offensive runs. That's what that's what happened a bit, right? That's what happened. And we had a we got a we had a great game. 29, or well, I should say Chiefs 33, Browns 29. Almost the score I predicted uh, on Saturday's episode, and <clears throat> did I learn anything new about the the Chiefs that I didn't already know? No, I didn't. I feel like I didn't, and I kind of figured that they would win this game. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I think it's now eleven and zero in um in the month of September, and like I told you guys, Andy Reid, <clears throat> so difficult to beat in September. So difficult to beat in September because he comes up with, he he's just such a creative offensive mind that he schemes out and he comes up with these new play designs and it takes teams a while to adjust to it. Uh, but the Browns, and I know you guys are going to probably say, oh boy, here, here we go again with this Baker Mayfield stuff. But this is this, like, Sunday's moment, granted it's week one, but a moment like Sunday where the game was set up for Baker to win because I I, I ain't going to lie to you guys, Cleveland was able to push the ball and drive the ball effectively down the field consistently versus Kansas City. They did that. They did it very consistently. And with with ease at times. They look they may look so easy. Kevin Stefanski, great play caller. Great play caller. I mean, Kevin Stefanski might might he arguably might be a top 5 offensive play caller in today's game. And it also helps when you have the pieces that they have on offense. Defensively, as I already predicted, a lot of new pieces I saw some plays. I saw some, I saw some sparks um, and some plays from John Johnson, who I'm really high on. Um, probably their biggest, uh, probably their most vital off-season defensive move that the Browns made was signing John Johnson. I saw some of his impact. He made some plays. But as I've mentioned, or or as I already said and predicted, granted, with the new pieces, I think it's going to take some time. For these new pieces defensively for Cleveland to jail, but Baker Mayfield, this is why. This is why I, if I'm a Browns fan, or if I'm Cleveland's front office, this is why I'm a bit hesitant to really long to 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 secure or to sign Baker Mayfield. To this large lump sum contract. This is why. Uh, and Sunday was an example of that. Where offensive line play is solid. Nick Chubb is running the ball effectively. You got weapons on the outside. Uh, granted, you didn't have OBJ, but they was the but the Browns' offense was moving fluently. Like I said, they were moving the ball. They were moving the ball effectively. Even without OBJ on the field, so imagine when they get that element back, that explosive down the field element, it only makes their offense any it just it just makes their offense much better, or or, or even better, right? But Baker, I've always said this: I think the Browns they they win in spite of Baker, not because of Baker. I think Baker is the beneficiary to the supporting cast that he has around him. I don't think it's the other way around. I think he's the beneficiary. He benefits the most from having this great offensive line, the running game, Kevin Stefanski, these 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 pass catchers that he have on the outside. He doesn't. I feel like they elevate him. He don't necessarily elevate those other pieces, though. And with the great quarterbacks around the league, or at least the ones that's getting paid top dollar, they usually have the trait or the ability to uplift those around them. I can remember to this day, everybody now loves DK Metcalf. But you know what, you know the knock on DK Metcalf coming out of Ole Miss? He only won, he only runs run route. He looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. Remember that? Like, remember all those critiques? Uh he only could he, he, you know, his route running ability is not that great. Hands can sometimes be a bit questionable. A really good deep threat. But like I said, play looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. He lands in Russell, he, he lands in Seattle. And his quarterback is Russell Wilson. And now everybody loves DK Metcalf. And not to say that DK Metcalf isn't a great player. He is, but that just was not the narrative on him. That like the narrative that that is on DK Metcalf now, that was not the narrative of him, on him of, of him coming out of Ole Miss. And there's a consistent trend around the league where you see these quarterbacks. Like I watched the Chargers and Washington football team game. You know the difference in that game? You know who the difference was in that game? Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert was the difference in that game. Washington didn't have Justin Herbert. The Chargers did have Justin Herbert. Simple as that. There was some some iffy calls, but in all, Justin Herbert was ultimately the difference and was ultimately the reason why the Chargers won that game versus a stout Washington defense. And with Baker Mayfield, you know, he's play- he was playing really well. He was up. He was controlling the game. His team was controlling the game. But the moment he was asked to, okay, the game is getting tighter. You got to march down the field. You got to score a touchdown. You got to put points on the board. On the board. You got to actually move the ball down the field. The moment he was asked to do that, he unraveled. He unrivaled. And and, and mind you, just because I'm criticizing Baker Mayfield right now, that doesn't mean I'm down on the Browns. I'm still really high on the Browns. The way how they performed, and granted, it's Kansas City. I think Kansas City's going to get back to the Super Bowl this year. I think, well, maybe. But I do think Kansas City is the best team in the AFC. Let's just say that. So that's the measuring stick right now. But Cleveland probably... They could end up as the second or third best team in the conference. This could very well be an AFC championship matchup. But I just don't know in these type of games, I don't know if Baker is that guy who can win you a ball game. Because when when I see him in some of these big games, especially versus Elite quarterbacks because Baker, he has the swagger, he has the ego of an elite quarterback, but everything or the everything about his game or that we have seen so far in his young career, it doesn't scream he's an elite quarterback. He has all the other stuff, the ego and the and the you know, the swagger, but the actual game, he's not elite, he's not elite. And I think with and I think with this year, looking at the Browns roster, I do think he has a chance he has a similar foundation that Jimmy Garoppolo had in 2019 with 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 the 49ers, and he has a similar situation and foundation that Jared Goff had in 2018. Hear me out when I say this: Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff both had two really good offensive play callers, really good offensive minds. Uh Kyle Shanahan, Sean Mc, and Sean McVay. Then you have two really good defenses, that stout Rams defense, 49ers defense, and then they had offensively they had the ability to be able to run the football effectively, control the line of scrimmage and being able to play off the, and being able to run play action effectively because of their effectiveness running the football. That's literally the same makeup that this Browns team have. Innovative, creative, offensive play caller with a strong offensive line. We got to see if Jedrick Wills, we got to see if the, how, how serious is that injury with Jedrick Wills because he's a really good left tackle. But that's what you saw. They have a similar setup. Stout offensive line, being able to control the line of scrimmage, weapons on the outside, and being able to run the football. So, Baker Mayfield could very well land his contract by being this year's version Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff. Jared Goff of 2018, Jimmy Garoppolo of 2019. He could be that. But with those same guys, you've seen what happened with those two quarterbacks. The Rams paid Jared Goff early after that Super Bowl run, they paid him, and it didn't work out. And now he's a Detroit Lion, and now the Rams are off to better things. And with the 49ers, they just moved up in this year's draft. They moved from 12 to 3 to and they gave up two first round picks and a third round pick to go, to go up and get Trey Lance because Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the guy. They see more in Trey Lance. So, got to pick your poison if you're Cleveland, as far as this contract situation, contractually with Baker Mayfield. But this year will be a big year for Baker Mayfield. And like I said, I think he has a chance to be a similar version of Jared Goff in 2018 and Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019. Both were very close to winning Super Bowls, but they both have limitations. And those two quarterbacks in particular – their teams have either traded them or their teams are looking forward to the future as the 49ers drafted Trey Lance not saying the Browns would do such a drastic thing but when you look at the element and the dynamic of their team and the makeup of their team it's very similar there's a lot of similarities there and this past Sunday with a game with the game on the line and Baker, having the opportunity to cash in, what a big win. I mean, if the Browns could have won that game at Arrowhead, what a, what a big confidence booster for the Browns. But in typical Browns fashion, they lose the game. They lose the game. So, like I said, I don't know, me personally, I don't think Baker Mayfield, is the guy, I don't think he elevates the players around him. I think the players around him elevate him. And that's fine, but that's just the fact. And when I look at the elite quarterbacks around the league, they typically elevate the others around them, not the other way around. But um, also, as I was watching some of these games, and I, and this is going to kind of correspond with my next topic uh, or segment, I should say, when I want to talk about Matthew Stafford and the Rams. But as I was watching games, and I've always talked, I've, I, I, I've, I've talked about this already, but all of the contenders or all of the teams or most of the teams that we see as contenders, and I'm talking like, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the Bills, the Seahawks, um, the Rams, and so forth. You get my point. You get the gist. They have the ability to get cheap points. You got to be able to get cheap points. I I, I want to talk about that. I, I want to talk about that, and that's going to feed into my Rams take, into my Rams segment where – Cheap points, you gotta get those. You gotta be able to get those type of points. All right. So we're about um almost thirty minutes into the episode. Uh, so let's. I I talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, leading up into the season and just comparing these contenders and what I think certain teams should should have in order to be a a, a contender or uh to raise their value as a team. And I talked about it a little bit last year, but I think the ability – and I've seen it a little bit on display, and I've seen it mostly with the Rams. The ability to get cheap points and cheap touchdowns is so important. I feel like it's so important. Because when I look at a team like Kansas City, Kansas City is probably the best team at doing it because they got, <laughs> like, the talent is – you know, they have the talent. But Kansas City – they get one or two play, just these one or two play drives of big gains and they're easy scores and they're quick. And it like every drive, I don't think, in order to be a team to compete at a high level in this league, every drive can't be a methodical 10, 12, 13 play drive. I think at times, especially when you're playing up when you're playing versus the elite teams, you need to be able to get cheap touchdowns, cheap points, cheap big plays. you need you need to be able to have that element of having that home run shot. And there are certain teams around the league that I really like. I even like their coach. I like the personnel. Um, I, I, I like the, the 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 you know the setup and the foundation of their roster. But they they lack getting easy and cheap points, and that's what kind of that's what kind of like I'm very hesitant about that. And I look at the Rams because you guys know I talk a lot about the Rams, and the Rams last year were a team, and I've continued and I've stayed on track with this narrative about Sean McVay. Losing trust in in Jared Goff, and that 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 eventually transferred, and it showed in Sean McVay's play calling, because every single play call with the Rams. Granted, the Rams were a good football team last year. The Rams were a good football team last year. They had the number one ranked defense. Offensively, they were okay. Um, but but they won a lot of football games, and they won a playoff game last year at Seattle. So the Rams were not a bad football team. But the way how they had to play offense, everything had to be perfect as where, you know, everything was earned. Um, They were running the football effectively. They would take these short and intermediate passes. And every drive, granted, it was good offensive football, but everything seemed to have to be perfect. It had to be perfect. The play calling had to be Perfect. The blocking had to be perfect. The route running had to be perfect. The accurate, like everything had to be perfect in order for the Rams to have a successful methodical drive down the field. And when I watched the Rams Sunday night versus the Bears, I saw a team. I saw first a coach in Sean McVay who was very comfortable with opening the playbook, even with Sean, even with Matt, Matthew Stafford still getting adjusted and adapting to the new offense. Sean McVay was was so much lenient. He was willing to open up and expand the playbook and become more creative with his play calling because the because Matthew Stafford is better talent. Matthew Stafford, there's a talent gap between Stafford and Golf. And I like Golf. I don't think Golf is necessarily a bad player. Like I said, I think he has limitations. I'd be lying to you guys if I didn't say Jared Goff. I don't think I think Jared Goff does have limitations. There's definitely limitations to his game and what he can do. But with Matthew Stafford. He gives you more of an element where you can get those deep balls down the field. You can get those easy home run touchdowns down the field, and we saw two of them. We saw two of them in the in the, in, in the game Sunday night versus the Bears. Mind you, a a grant the the Bears are a really good defensive team, but we saw the, we saw the Rams get two easy, two big play touchdowns, just like that. And that's an element that the Rams were missing last year and years prior. That 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 explosive down-the-field threat where McVay doesn't have to, where everything don't have to be perfect. Every, with Matthew Stafford, everything doesn't have to be perfect. You can afford to get a penalty. You can, you can afford to have a loss of yardage. But with last year, was looking looking at the Rams offensively and how they played, everything had to be pinpoint on point, no mistakes. You couldn't afford to have a penalty because that then that would put you behind the chains. And then the defense knows you have to throw it. With with Matthew Stafford, I see a more poised offense, even with no Cam Akers. I see a more poised offense, a more or more free-flowing, big play, explosive offense. And then I and that's the type of element I think you need in order to go deep into the playoffs because you got to get cheap points. Every drive can't be a 12-play drive. Every drive can't be 12 plays, 65 yards and take 5 minutes off the clock. Like it, it just you just can't have that. It's it's good if you can do that at times. At times, it's good if you can do that, but at some point, you need to get you. You need to get you need to be able to get a cheap seven points. And I see it. I see it every week with Kansas City. Every week, I see it with Kansas City. Kansas City is they. They. You can guarantee that Kansas City is going to get one cheap touchdown. And when I mean cheap cheap touchdown, I mean like a one play, two play, three play drive where it's quick, bang bang, and they score. That's how like. That's why when I watch these Kansas City games, if they're trailing like this past Sunday, I I picked Kansas City to win. I was never worried about Kansas. Like as the game got closer and they were in with and they were within one possession, all I I knew all it took was one play, where uh, where Mahomes gets out of the pocket, scramble a little bit, and finds Tyreek Hill down the field. It take all it takes is that one play and then the game is wide open and then they're ready to take off and you see you see it with different teams like the Buccaneers like I said the Rams have the capability to do it you see you see it with the you, you see it with mostly the contenders that's the element that the Rams now have that's the element that the Rams now have and like I told people like I said last week people saying, "Oh, Matthew Stafford, how great can he be? How great can he be if he never won games in Detroit and I, I, I don't know why we fail to realize that Detroit was bad prior to Matthew Stafford and Detroit is going to remain bad after Matthew Stafford." So when people try to act like the Detroit thing was all Matthew Stafford, no. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to totally just erase him from any type of blame but it's difficult to win games when you're always trailing. It's difficult to win games when you don't have a run, a running game. It's difficult to win a lot of football games when your defense is inconsistently or or is not consistent, right? Or inconsistent I should say, right? So, the, for people to act like the Lions weren't good or or, or they like the Lions were horrible. They were a dumpster fire Before Matthew Stafford, that's how they got the number one pick in 2009. And then they're a dumpster fire after Matthew Stafford. So this whole narrative and gist that Matthew Stafford isn't like he's not. He like because so many people was like, well, Matthew Stafford, he's no messiah. He's not going to be a savior to the Rams. Doesn't have to be a savior to the Rams. The Rams don't need a savior. The Rams just need a quarterback that they're comfortable with. Sean McVay needs a quarterback that he's comfortable comfortable with with delivering the ball down the field and being able to expand and open up the playbook. No savior needed. The Rams look really good. They look really good with their new look quarterback. And Matthew Stafford feels like, he feels like a Ram. He feels like LA. Flashy, great arm, you know. He feels like the Rams. And the Rams feel like him. I'm going to give you guys my top 10 teams. You know what time it is. It's just, it's the time of the week where I give you guys my top 10 teams uh, after week one going into week two. So, all right. So, as I said, uh, my top 10 lists, uh, I do it on a weekly basis. So, I know people, they catch hard feelings when, you know, like, it's a, it's a weekly thing. As the season goes on, it will, like, the teams obviously will get more consistent. Like, there'll be – the consistent teams you'll see because teams will get better, but uh, with it being such early, so early in the season, um, teams, certain teams gonna look good early. Some teams, certain teams takes, you know, takes time to get their, their get their groove together. Um, I do think, uh, I do think, so there's gonna be some teams on here that didn't win, but I, I think they're that good where. They play, you know, looking at the opponent, looking at the context and so forth. I think they'll be fine. Uh, so let's start from the top. Um, and one of those teams that did not win was the Buffalo Bills at 10. I got them at 10. I, 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 the Bills, it, it's a difficult watch for me. I, I think they they outplayed Pittsburgh thoroughly throughout throughout most of the game. I was impressed by Buffalo's defense. They, they held Pittsburgh in check. Now, granted, Pittsburgh offensively isn't the greatest, but defensively, Buffalo did a good job uh, offensively. I don't know what happened there. They outgained Pittsburgh. They they had more first downs than Pittsburgh. They controlled time possession. It, they they had they did have some special team mishaps. So Buffalo, not the greatest showing in week one. I do think they have bounced back. Uh, I think they're too good not to bounce back, but you know, a bit of a surprise loss. I'm not going to lie. A bit of a surprising loss uh, from Buffalo in week one at home, too. So, usually don't see that. Um, At nine, I got the the Cardinals. I I got the Cardinals at nine. I I think they had a dominant performance uh, versus Tennessee, a team that I'm not high on. I I know a lot of people really, really high on the Titans. I'm not at all. I think they have defensive issues that they need to solve. um, And Arizona properly executed and exploited those defensive issues in the secondary that Tennessee has struggled with over the last couple of seasons. Uh, Chadler Jones was an absolute monster. He had five sacks in an the, in the, in the entire game, but he had three sacks in the first quarter. Um, the Cardinals had six sacks as a whole. The Cardinals, <clears throat> they're probably like the most talented fourth place team I ever saw. They have so much talent everywhere. Um, and then, not to mention, Kyler Mary, he had a great day. He had, he, had, he had a great day, five touchdowns on, on 309 total yards. So Cardinals had a really good day. I don't know how how long they're going to stay in this list, but they they start the season off in the top ten, I think. They played – they had a heck of a performance versus a good Titans team. Um, at eight, I got the Saints. I got the Saints at eight. Uh, I kind of – you know, I, I talked about a little bit in the opening segment when I was discussing the Packers and Aaron Rodgers – but you gotta, you, it's it's just hard not to look at what the Saints did and not be impressed. I mean, you look at what Sean Payton did offensively with the play calling. And then Dennis Allen, he properly dialed up pressure um, versus Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. He got Rodgers off of his spots. Um, as I talked about already, the Packers, they, their offensive line, it's kind of makeshift. It's a makeshift offensive line at this point. Um, and I think Dennis Allen did a great job with exploiting that. The Saints team is still talented. Like I said, I, I think, you know, they. I think they made the right decision with Jameis Winston, starting Jameis Winston. He gives the Saints an element that the Saints have been, quite frankly, missing over the past couple of years, if we're being honest. Like, Drew Brees couldn't stretch the field. Jameis Winston gives you that ability. Um, and he's playing in a safer offense, an offense that doesn't, you know, no need to take those big shots. Sean Payton did a great job with the play calling. Uh, similar to the Cardinals. I'm, I think both teams are talented, but the, the conference or either the division is just so deep where I just don't know where they land, but I do, I do think the Saints will have a pretty good season. Um, at seven, I got the 49ers. Now they started off the game really good. Like the score was 41, 17. The final score was 41, 33. So I don't, it was a, they, they, they closed out the game a bit sloppy um, but their front seven looked pretty good, as I expected. Their front seven looked really good. Uh, offensively, they were clicking on all cylinders. They got scores from every – like, they you know, they they scored a defensive touchdown. They were able to move the ball up and down the field versus Detroit. Granted, it's Detroit, um, but a really good showing for the 49ers. Uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo, he didn't play bad at all. Jimmy Garoppolo played pretty well. He played pretty well, throwing the ball down the field and so forth so. The 49ers look really good, as I expect they would. Um, so we'll see how the, you know how that storyline continues with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo as the season goes on. But I got the 49ers at seven. At six, this is pretty difficult for me, but I got the Browns. I'm not gonna lie to you, the Browns—they were—they looked impressive for the most part for the for the most for a vast majority of that game uh, versus Kansas City. Like I said, third down defense for for Cleveland a bit suspect, granted it was Kansas City, like just about every team in football is going to struggle on third down to get Kansas City off the field, but um Cleveland they 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 they, they, they average 8 yards a play. They were very aggressive from the start. They were controlling time possession. They were able to run the football effectively and do, ever, do whatever they wanted offensively. Until Kansas City came storming back, and then Kansas City took the lead. And then that's where they were basically ags. And this is where I think Cleveland, I don't think they're at their best when they're trailing, because that means Baker Mayfield then has to drop back, throw the ball down the field when the defense knows he has to throw the ball down the field. I don't think Cleveland can win like that. I don't think they can win. I don't think Cleveland can beat teams like Kansas City winning like that. I think there's a certain way Cleveland has to play and a certain style that they have to play in order to beat those type of teams like Kansas City and Buffalo. And it's controlling time possession, being able to run the football effectively, moving the ball down the field, which they which all like they all did that until Kansas City came back storming. So Cleveland a good uh, a good week, I think, you know, a difficult opponent obviously in Kansas City. But Cleveland showed – they showed they showed some good signs, I think. I, they, they showed some pretty really good signs. Um, I just think there's a certain way they have to play versus certain teams, like Kansas City. Um, but at five, I got the Chargers. The Chargers were excellent versus, versus the Washington football team. They were excellent. Um, I had my doubts. You guys remember, I had my doubts about the Chargers in this game. Overall, I think they're going to have a pretty good season. But going into this game versus the Washington football team, I have my doubts. This is the first time Justin Herbert's playing, you know, in a real-life NFL crowd. Um, first coach, I mean, first game as a coach, Brandon Staley. Um, and, and You know, an offensive line that has rebuilt, they have rebuilt their offensive line really well. But in Washington, Washington arguably has the best front four in football. So I was I was I was I was a bit skeptical, and plus West Coast teams traveling East Coast, that's never that's never a good sign. But the Chargers they were effective on third down, and ultimately the difference maker between Washington and the Chargers was Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert was just able to convert on third down after third down after third down. Um, I, I, I like this Chargers team. And by the way, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna talk about it, but Rashawn Slater, excellent job on Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Excellent job. He had Rashawn Slater has some um he he actually has some experience trying to block and, and fend off Chase Young because he went obviously he went to Northwestern and he played Chase Young at Ohio State at, at Ohio State. And He's had similar performances versus Chase Young. He really got he he gets Chase Young's best number. Um, Rashad Slater, last two last two first round picks, the Chargers have hit on Justin Herbert, Rashad Slater, quarterback, left tackle. So important. And the Chargers, they found their two superstars, I think, at both positions. So really good for them. Um at four, I got the Buccaneers. They were sloppy. They were they 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 were sloppy. A lot of penalties, a lot of turnovers. The Buccaneers were sloppy, but they still won. Um, as the season continues, as they find their groove, I expect them to be higher on this list uh, than four. I you know, and that's pretty high, but I would expect them to be you know a bit higher as the season goes on. Now they do have some secondary issues. They do have some secondary issues that are a bit alarming. Um, they're very thin at the defensive back position, so we'll see how that how that goes. They they I think they lost Murphy Blunting uh, to that elbow injury. That was that was nasty, but I expect Tampa Bay to be a bit higher as the season goes on as they find their groove. At three, I got the Seattle Seahawks. Um, a great showing versus the Colts. Uh, I, I like both teams, Indianapolis and Seattle, but see I pick Seattle to win. Um, I thought Seattle would be able to throw the, you know, being able to exploit Indianapolis secondary, and that's what they did. Russell Wilson, 18 for 23, four touchdowns, 254 yards passing yards. Uh, the defense looked really good. Offensive line still, still got my questions, but Seattle for the most part looked really good, and they played versus they played a legit team in Indianapolis. like, like Indianapolis is a legit team. With a, with a legit roster in Seattle, one. So that's a good sign for the Seahawks going into, uh, you know, starting off the season with a pretty good win. Uh, at number two, I got the Rams. I got the Rams at number two. They look so good. The Rams look so good. Uh, as I already mentioned in the previous segment, Matthew Stafford gives the Rams an element that Jared Goff didn't last year. And that's being able to put the, that's being able to stretch the defense, throw the ball over the top and get cheap, easy touchdowns. Easy points. Cheap points, easy touchdowns. And that's what Matthew Stafford did. That's what he did. He had two of those type of play-action plays off of post routes that led to touchdowns. Really good. Really phenomenal. Uh, Like I said, I have no... I think... I I trust Sean McVay. McVay's gonna find a way to get around this running back issue um, as far as what the Rams have right now. Defensively, they look pretty good. So... That second half wasn't even close versus Chicago. It wasn't even close in the second half. So Rams look really, really good. I got them at two. And then at number one, I got Kansas City. I'm sorry. I got Kansas City at number one. Sorry. Uh, It's Kansas City. I mean, what do you want me to say? Kansas City, I got them at number one. I think Kansas City, first, they're unbeatable in September. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, unbeatable in September. I think Patrick Mahomes is 11 and 0. He is. He he's 11 and 0 in September. Uh, Andy Reid, I think, is won like 15 straight in September. They're just so hard. Like they're 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 so difficult to beat in September. Um, and at Arrowhead and so forth. I, I defensively they kind of worry me. They need Tyron Matthew back and Frank Clark so they were missing they were definitely missing Frank Clark and Tyron La- and Tyron Matthew because they were getting pushed around up front because Cleveland was able to have its way but once again it's Cleveland Cleveland I think in my opinion probably when healthy probably has the best offensive line in football uh so like it's Cleveland so Cleveland will probably do that the most teams but it was a bit alarming that their defense gave up as many yards as they did but offensively you know they're able to overcome it. Uh, Kansas City, like I said, cheap points when they're when they're when they're in within one possession. Like it's just it's just come on, it's just so difficult to beat Kansas City. Oh, boy, they're 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 really good. They're they're crazy good. But all of these teams, I I, I really like my top five. I really like my top five. My top five for this week was I think is really good: Chargers, Bucks, Seahawks, Rams, Chiefs. The Chargers were really impressive. They were really impressive. But, um, yeah, those are my top 10 teams for this week, or I should say going into week – or after week one, going into week two. Those are my top 10 teams. Uh, So, yeah, I like my list. I like my list. I know some people are not going to like it, but I like it. I like it. I think um, hopefully the Bills will get back on track. But – let's wrap, let let me wrap it up right here, uh, this is pretty, pretty good, I think I'm at, what, 40 minutes, 50 minutes or something like that, 45 minutes, okay, yeah, I'm gonna wrap it up right here, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode, uh, I catch you guys, deuce, I'm out.